0: All right, welcome to More Score. Uh this is an interview that I'm really excited to get to and it's been on the calendar for a bit. Uh we're joined right now by Colin Stetson, saxophonist, composer. Uh new movie out is The Menu, which I'm really excited to see. Haven't seen it yet. Uh and you also have a new album out, Chimera. Um let's uh first off, welcome to More Score, Colin. Where are you joining us from?
1: I'm uh in Montreal at the moment. Just got back from the I'm going to see the New York City premiere of The Menu this week, and so back in Montreal for a second, and then going to head down to my studio in Vermont for a bit.
0: Nice. So I got to share this with you. So um, when we got reached out to by uh, White Bear PR to talk with you, mm-hmm. I was in Maui on my honeymoon on the road to Hana listening to Bad, Bad, Not Good <laughs> featuring you. Okay. And I was like, no way. So I told um <laughs> Kyrie that that happened and I was like, of course we got to talk to Colin. This is crazy. <laughs> um That's so awesome. let's uh let's start with um your background and and your super unique playing style because when I listen to your solo stuff, it almost feels like I'm listening to someone paint like n- nothing's like inevitable. There's not like a constant. I know what to expect, like a normal song. And I, I it's, I find it <laughs> super interesting. Um, and it's, I know that there's some people that you model your your playing style after after, but it's it's not very common. So I, I'd love to start with your background and sort of how you found your way into s- your style of playing the saxophone.
1: Um. Yeah, I don't know that there's any. Any particular player who I model myself after? I uh, the saxophone. I started playing when I was nine. Uh, be, I mean, large, not because of any uh, deep uh, understanding or exposure early on to to anything in the experimental or the avant-garde. It was quite the contrary. I was just uh, you know, I was a child of the '70s. I was an MTV kid. I you know, remember sitting and watching you know, videos like um uh Who Can It Be Now uh by Men at Work and then yeah. just thinking to myself when I was five, that's the one, that's my that's my instrument. Uh I'm gonna do that. <laughs> and so it really was um as yeah, you know, really, my my musical background at that point was really rooted in in pop culture at the time, and in in a strong foundation of classic rock. You know, I basically, was raised on Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles, and yeah. Jethro Tull, and so for me, the I guess the whole like more the 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 broader musical landscape. Opened up considerably and very, and very quickly when I was about 15 and started studying music, studying, studying, you know, um, uh, privately on, the, on the instrument. So I went from being, in my estimation, a very mediocre player, but I suppose with promise that my, my teacher at the time could, um, could identify. And he kind of whipped me into shape over the course of a year, year and a half from being that into, you know, uh, get, you know, scholarshiped into, into school and um and competing and and just playing and at that point i was just kind of a voracious listener um a consumer of all of music of all of all stripes so i was and can i pause you real quick where yeah. where were you at the time where were you where'd you grow up i grew i grew up in ann arbor michigan oh,
2: okay okay
1: yeah and and so at that point years started opening up to to different kinds of music to, you know, obviously to the avant-garde of my instrument, but just just kind of, but to everything across the board. And I would, I don't know, in my estimation, I'm as like the solo music probably came as much from like the, the earliest iterations and the earliest inspirations for it came from trying to emulate with my instrument the things that I was really excited about, um, like j- the playing of Jimi Hendrix, um, like uh, the electronic music of Nobukazu Takamura, for example. These things were some of the things that I. The, the cross pollination, I think, was the most informative for me in those early years, and kind of put me on a on a different path because it. Um, when you try to, you know, I mean, emulating, I found early on that emulating saxophone is. Although I want, I don't want to say it's quite easy. It's accessible, and you could hear in the in the playing and the sound of someone playing on, on on your instrument. You have enough of an understanding, like a physiological understanding and relationship with it, so that you know on 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 hearing what it is that they're doing to get it, and maybe it's a it's just a a question of practicing in order to teach your body to do it but you can hear how it's being made but when you hear sounds uh, being made on other instruments there's no direct um through path to the, to that you know to to that emulation you have to um you have to discover you have to you have to experiment you have to find your way to something and the approximation usually uh and uh, ends up with something quite novel and so that's where most of my um music i I guess initially comes from
0: and when you so you're talking about like trying to make the saxophone sound like a Jimi hendrix style playing but breathing is part of that (laughs) how do you how like you must go through breathing exercises or something because listening to you play it sounds like someone would pass out with with how constant um, how you know you're playing you and for out? how long, <laughs> I have
1: not passed out. That's the one thing <laughs> wow. that I've I've avoided. Um, I, I talk with other other sax player friends of mine about about that, and I've heard I have friends who've who've uh, who've dropped on stage, but uh, <laughs> never for me. And uh, no, I, I, it's circular breathing. Although, well, circular breathing is a technique. It is akin to balancing on a bike, I guess it's a, it's a, it's a question of, of um coordination and so once you get it once you you know once you find that equilibrium and and more or less trick your body into allowing you to do it it's there and and the the so it's the fact of being able to breathe that way only really unlocks that one thing it just lets you do that but it doesn't it doesn't account for any of the other things which which are at actually the real feet um so you can circular breathe but if you don't have the the stamina or musculature in your embouchure to be able to hold a note beyond 30 seconds then it doesn't matter if you can breathe continuously because the rest of your body won't allow you to hold that won't allow you to do anything useful with it so and um, for for yeah. the uninitiated,
2: which I sort of am, circular breathing <laughs> is this idea that you have wind, you have air that is constant that you're it is able to basically come in at the same time that it's also being used to then generate sound on the instrument. Theoretically, so, it could be forever, I guess. Uh, yeah, if, if mm-hmm. your
1: muscles or whatever were strong enough, right? Is that am I understanding so, this correctly? Certainly. Uh, so. Circular breathing is one of the oldest techniques. Um, in in in, I, I I imagine that the the practice of it in sound production probably, I mean, probably predates languages like modern language. It's something that goes far far back, and I and I I, I assume really has something to do with our ancestors' initial forays into trying to, the first attempts at communicating, existing in conversation with nature on, on, uh, this, on, on an equal footing as nature that ever, that ever presence. And, um, so you can see this in every, virtually every, uh, ancestral population throughout time has some form of, of drone music bagpipes uh, are are pretty ubiquitous some kind of thing like that so all that circular breathing is really is um, a bagpipe without the bag so um, you're using if you if you understand the, the principle of a bagpipe where you have a bellows to to pump up a, a bag that bag then um, the, the pressure, being forced through reeds is is what creates the the cont- continuum, and you just need to continue to to put more air to, to uh, replenish the air in the bag. The bag keeps the pressure on the reeds. So this and this become the bag. Reed is in the in the in, in the instrument, and the you know the pressure it takes. There is not just, I mean, instead you have to create the seal with your, um, with your musculature, with your embouchure. And that's what, what gives you the, the potential for that ever presence for, for going. And so you can see that pop up, um, the most, uh, like literally, um, the, the, the the most literal example of that, that I know of, um, and it's kind of a glaring example that comes out of, if you look at the, the kind of arc and lineage of bagpipes throughout the um uh, throughout like you say uh, the mediterranean and up through um y- western europe and and scandinavia you've got um in sardinia they made a type of bagpipe that's a that's bagless it's called a launitas and launitas is really just um as far as i understand there it came out of a period of not of not having the livestock it took to, to fashion the, the bladder, the, the bladder yeah. yeah. And, you know, then people figured out in uh, a new way to go about it without having that, which was forego the bag, turn your face and neck into it, and just <laughs> simply play these, um, these canters. It's a gorgeous instrument. And, but it, but it is, um, is kind of like a, a very, uh, a very kind of a pure example of what it is that, all of these things are doing fundamentally. And then what, what it is that we can do, um, learning from the basic principles. Any, any bar tricks,
0: uh, that that develop from this? Is there anything outside of music that you can (laughs) do at a party or something? Sadly, there's virtually
1: no, um, other (laughs) applications for it. Um, I was thinking there's gotta be something. (laughs) No, no. Um, and there's, I was talking to a friend recently about it because he was asking, because everyone's always told, uh, as a, as a means of practicing it, use a straw in a glass of water and, and try to, you know, make continuous bubbles, which I never thought was a very good way of teaching because you can kind of approximate that without actually circular breathing. Um, cause who's to say what, when the bubbles stop. but, um, but I, I suppose the closest thing that there is to a bar trick and but this is a sad sad um bar trick that's not going to it, <laughs> it we won't, won't be winning you any fan, fans <laughs> um is a, is a is a you take a square of tissue and put it on the wall this is a better this is a better way to learn because it'll force your mind into externalizing the the act put it on a wall get close to that wall get close to the and then and then start circular breathing start start breathing onto it and make sure that it does not fall and usually that's the one i think that can that can click in people's um in people's physiology because you're you're getting your mind off of what's going on in your nose and in your breath and and, and in your lungs you're putting it onto this piece of paper that's outside of you and usually that's when we can unlock uh some things when we when we when the necessity um is externalized that's so interesting. That that
0: that actually, that would be impressive. I feel like if someone just blew on a paper <laughs> on a wall for like 30 minutes, I'd be like, that guy's, I need to be friends with We can only want to see minutes. it once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you yeah, got to yeah, go to different get bars every we get it. You can keep it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so l- moving through your career, so you grew up in Ann Arbor. Did you go to the University
1: of Michigan? I did, yeah. Uh, the The classical sexual program there under the, at the time was under the, uh, um, professorship of Donald Sinto who's one of the premier, not, not only premier, I mean, he's one of the best, um, teachers of this sa- of the saxophone that's, that have, you know, in, in that have ever lived. Cause I mean, since this, this since the invention of the instrument, but he's also, I mean, perhaps, I mean, he's uh, top, handful of players of it just it's just an amazing unique sound and um and an amazing professor so i went to study with him and uh prim- yeah primarily classical uh study but i did uh play and 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 um study a lot of avant-garde um, music experimental music free improvisation jazz whatnot um
0: so what brought you? What was the next step then? Were you in a band? Like, th- how did you mm-hmm. move on from? All right, I graduated. I'm I'm out there
1: now. Uh, what was the next move for Colin? It was a, It's a lot less. I think as f- when it, when each when, when any one of us thinks about what it was what that life was, it's. I, I feel like it's a lot less um linear in that sense uh you know or or, um or compartmentalized maybe uh so mine never really seemed like that i came in on this thing gradually over the course of my of my university years i was playing by the time i graduated my friends and i who you know we, we populated you know just a half a dozen or more different bands most of us in in a in a number of them and we were playing every night of the week and so, rehearsing every day, going to school, still playing every night somewhere. Tours, short, you know, short tours happening. And so, by the time I graduated, it was already pretty much transitioned into this lifestyle of herma playing, just out there, and in all different ways. I mean, playing with bands that were decidedly more kind of avant jazz. Um, you know, acid jazz type things at the time, or, um, or much more in in the singer songwriter, uh, or, or, or more s- straight um, jazz and free jazz. And so those things um, kept, you know, kind of blended straight through my 20s. I moved from Ann Arbor, I moved to San Francisco, and I was there for about six years. And it really was just a a continuous hall just this inertia of playing 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 just always always taking every opportunity playing in just countless groups and, and eventually to new york where that continued um and that's i think that probably if i mean not to gloss over all those years um but while i was doing all of this kind of this endless hustle playing with everyone uh I was i was already performing solo probably twice two three t- times a year and and that started to build up and i finally uh, was approached by someone who wanted to put out a record of of the music and this which ended up being the volume one um the new history of warfare volume one that i put out i think in 2007 or so and so at that point i remember sitting down with my best friend stuart and talking about just how i didn't really i didn't know how to how to get it all done and it, you know cuz uh, i i never really imagined any other way other than what i had been doing which was which is to say it was just playing constantly with whoever you know not with whoever but um with all of the things. There, there was so many. There's so much music out there that is so worthwhile and 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 fun to to be a part of, to support, and to play. And so, this novel idea came out of his um, head initially, and he simply just said, "Okay, you don't have any time. Quit all the bands except for the one that I'm in." Uh- <laughs> and you get you still get to do that band and otherwise you do the solo thing you do that band and that's it you tomorrow you call everybody you say you're out and um and then you just make that work and so i did that and and it was the best thing uh that i had done and not not to say that i, I should have or would have done it earlier but at that point it really was the the perfect uh, the the perfect next step in, in my life and in, in in relationship to, to my own music and to music in general.
2: What was your, your first kind of foray into providing music for something that is someone else's, you know, visual Mm. art artwork that they, they were working on.
1: I assume Uh, a short film of some kind. No, actually, the first one was a feature was called Blue Caprice, which I think Mm. I did around 2010. I'm pretty, yeah, 2009, 2010. And so Alexander Moore's, the director had heard my solo music and, and like most, like for about five years, really, that, that, that was more or less what, what, what happened on, on a number of occasions. And so he heard my solo music had, had found something in it particularly inspiring when he was writing the movie, uh, and, and then thought that it, that me and my approach would be good for the, for the subject matter and for, for his, uh, his storytelling. And so when he reached out, it was kind of out of the blue. And it was also kind of in the midst of one of the busiest kind of most hectic times that I'd had because I had just stopped. I think I was just on the cusp. Uh, I had just released judges, or was just about to release judges my, of my own. Um, I had just finished, or was just on the tail end of finishing Arcade Fire tours, just starting to uh, to record and then tour with Bonnie Iver. So it was just in this flux. So, um, but I, the way that I've kind of taken most things in stride is is that you don't say no to an opportunity. Um, something that's kind of being brought to you w- op- with open mind and with a, with a kindness and with, uh, with, um, with, you know, with, with a kind of an inherent, um, uh, creative, um, out, you know, uh, it was, it was, it was the, the kind of the exactly how you want to be approached, um, personally and specifically for your own approach, not, um, would you like to get into this? Do you think you could, um, your, your sound is particularly what I'm, what I'm after. And so it afforded me a a really perfect, uh, doorway into that world. And I, I loved it from the get-go, uh the, the the combination of world building storytelling and also just the 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 puzzling the challenge of the uh of the puzzle of it all of of, of putting together a score i it still i find it um incredibly satisfying um and so so that was the first one it was about probably 12 13 years ago and and then they just kept on coming the same sort of way. I did a couple of year, um, mostly features, but but do- a couple documentaries as well. And, and then I think uh, I, I talked to Ari Aster in 2015. He reached out to me initially, 2014 maybe, 2015, about Hereditary, sent me the script. And um, I, so I think I was the first I was the first person involved on hereditary just b- besides Ari. Um, and then he said, okay, I'll come back at you as soon as I get funding. And he came back after, I think it was probably two years and said, "We, it's all together. Everything's a go. Are, are, are we good? You know, good to start. And so that was, that was the, the best and the, and the still the biggest runway I've ever gotten for a scoring job where we had uh, literally, I started work on, it wasn't continuous work, but I started making music for *Hereditary* a year out from its uh, premiere at Sundance. So, wow. yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. And and then so that premiered at Sundance in early 2018, and 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 at that point, I think was that summer was when I and I also that summer I was, also was making the first. And so in 2018, between the the release of *Hereditary* and the first. I think that a lot of people went, Oh, Colin Stetson just started scoring films. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. and, um, <laughs> but, um, I had been in it for, for a while and learning. So, which, which for me was great because had I just started, um, at that, in that year, you know, I wouldn't have had all, like already all of the lessons learned and just not only in terms of the, the particular, um, the the, the, all the particulars the interface um of of working in that medium but also the just process because it's it's enormously process uh oriented and and there are lots of things that um and i, and I think I, I imagine that most people are exactly like this where we we work very in, uh independently and very um uh specifically and personally uh, crafted like the way that I work is probably to the to an outside um to any bystander probably absolutely fucking bonkers um (laughs) but it works for me (laughs) and it it I, I imagine it's it is hugely time consuming but it's the way that I like to work it's it's very tactile I have my hands on everything there's not an inch of it that I don't touch um and uh and I yeah, I've I've uh, kind of thrived on that. I I've kind of I love the process and um and continue to
0: You're a, you're a sax player. <laughs> do you play other instruments? Like how do you sit down and write?
1: It I play on other instruments. So for example, on Hereditary I played uh I everything um and I play I tend to play most of the instruments on my scores with the exception of so for something like Color Out of Space I did all of the instruments on that except for the strings, and so I've been yeah it makes sense uh, hugely f- uh, fortunate to uh, have an ongoing friendship and uh, professional collaboration with um, my old friend Matt Combs, who is uh, an amazing violinist who also plays viola, cello, upright bass, mandolin, guitar. Um, and we went to we were roommates in music school together. We've known each other for thirty years. And when it came time to do Colorado Space, I reached out to him and him alone, and just said, "Here, I got this thing. It's going to be have you know heavy s- strings." And I'm, but I, I also work in a in a pretty um, in a in, in a I, I, I want to work in a very direct way and be able to write in in some maybe less conventional ways. And so, um, I immediately just started. So the way that Matt and I have done this now for, for several years and on many projects is that I can write, I can write, you know, conventionally with, with, a, with MIDI, with keyboard. Um, and I can send him things like that. And of course he can listen to those parts, uh, and, 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 and play them as, as they, um, as they are. I can also write with my voice, which I do a lot of the time, where I will sing parts so that they can be a little bit more in line with how it is that I would express that part of my melodic um, persona. Um, but they, but also they can be quite um, uh, um, not, non-intervallic. And, and they can be, so the, the parts can be quite aqueous and the ca- counterpart can be very um, serpentine and matt is one of those brilliant ear players that can clone every part of that i send him precisely and so i send him five parts of um syrupy vocals and he sends me back you know 40 uh, like a full orchestra that has that is completely cloned to that down to the microtone and so it's we've had an, an amazing um relationship in, in terms of that for now for, um, for years. And, um, and he remains one of the only people that I work with on a regular basis. Although for the menu, you know, so the menu was all me, Matt on all the strings. Well, most of the strings, there's a couple of strings. the uglier strings are when you hear something that, that sounds really crass and, and, uh, disgusting, it's, it's me. Uh, and then, uh, and then on some of the less, uh, less obvious, uh, more subtle, um, percussion there, Greg Fox, uh, dear friend, Greg Fox is in there on the menu as well, especially in the very, very end. So when you see it, um, the, there's a whole build up at the end, there's a, there's a twinkling sort of pointillistic sheen that happens and gradually, uh, grows with the, with the whole of it. And that's all Greg playing, like, basically like blast beats on water glasses. Uh, and, uh, and then during the credits, uh, he's finally able to, you know, I think he's shredding on like a China symbol alone in (laughs) in that last track during the credits. So nice. Well, let's get to the menu. Um, I, I saw in an interview
0: that, you came on board in what you called the sweet spot. It wasn't too early. It wasn't super late. But I'm I'm wondering, is, is it possible to get onto a film too early? Or why do you consider that the sweet spot?
1: Well, I think that's probably just something I said at the time. <laughs> is it possible to come in too early? I don't think it's possible to come in too early. It's possible to come in early and not have the time to... To do much about it i suppose um but but i always like the runway so i'm working on something now that i've had a little bit of runway on and so even though i've i've been in the middle of another project i've done enormous amounts of legwork and have hours of music already like sketches already there so i already have probably all all or most of the main themes the bulk of a lot of the um, of the the- you know, the fundamentals written, and then the the real meat of it will be when 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 I start it up in, um next month to just to implement that all with real instrumentation so um the sweet spot you, i just I feel like i I just never wanna start later than that. I have, but I'm trying to never do that again uh yeah. and sometimes you do it because it's just there's something about the project that that I that is just incredibly endearing and I want to make sure that that I get to do it um but but for the most part um I think by and large I would say that as a rule I'm trying to never do anything in that last minute I've been approached by by big fucking movies, man. Like by by things, <laughs> you would, it would like blow your mind how some of these things that have pretty lofty budgets would turn around and and come at music, which is not is not some insignificant part of. Of no the, overnight, the yeah. finished yeah. project, and 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 no shit, come at me bef- like two weeks outside of when it was supposed to start, and say then we've got a three, <laughs> uh, and, and then we've got a three week window where in which the music can start to be written and then end and needs to be mixed by, and so that's and 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 if you look at that as an example, and probably not a ubiquitous, but but probably very off practiced um, example of how the, the whole thing works, you get a, you start to get a sense of why everything sounds or why so much of it sounds so much the same. Um, because yeah. when you give somebody no time, what the fuck are they supposed to do besides, okay, you know, they're going to scramble. They're going to do, they're going to go for, because you, you don't have time to cross temp. You don't have time to start, in, you know, getting inspired and going, oh, well, I th- I know that they've been asking for this, but I've got another idea. And I wonder if, this might work if we can have a conversation. There are no conversations when you have three weeks to, to score the whole film. <laughs> you just are cloning the temp and trying not to get sued. And so that's something I won't do uh, <laughs> because the alternative is just too good. When you have a good working relationship with, with directors and filmmakers who are open to new ideas, and when you have runway and and enough time to play with it, it's it's really um, thrilling. It's super, it, it's, it can be Incredibly, like joyous, the the experience of, of putting together the music and making something new, uh, trying to make something like t- tell a story in a new way that you haven't seen or heard before, and that to me is um, is worth uh, holding out for in all the different instances.
0: Well, the director um, Mark Mylod, which I I hadn't heard his name, and I looked him up. He's directed and produced some of the most successful. TV series and history, uh, yeah. Succession, Game of Thrones, Shameless, Entourage, but he's not, doesn't have a huge laundry list of um, big screen films. Yeah. And so I'm curious, first off, how did he come to you? And also um, what made you trust his vision um, being that he's, this is a new territory for him?
1: He's, uh, well, they came to me be- because I think a lot of my music started to get into the temp and mm. as it started to get into the temp and feel good, they started to think about cu- reaching out to me. Now, they sent me a script, and I read the script. And Will and Seth's script is awesome. It's one of the best. I mean, one of the two best scripts I've ever read. It, it's it's so it's so fun. It's so. It, it, I, I'm not. I won't get bogged down with with uh, with the with the intense. Uh, breakdown of how how much I like that in all in all the ways. But suffice it to say, the script had me and and I and it was one of those that kind of wrote the music for me in a sense. It was so clear what it was that I wanted the music to do and what it was that I thought that I that I could do for the film in a way that someone else wasn't going to. Um and so when so then Mark and, uh, me and, uh, and Betsy got together and had our first meeting and, and it was a combination of, I mean, those things are always a pitch. So it's, I've got to tell them, I've got to figure out a way to tell them all the ideas I just had in the last two days and in a way that, 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 uh, more or less conveys everything to non-musicians as to how it's going to sound like what I, what it is that I want it to sound like. And... And, uh, and so it's, it was, so it was that, and they were entirely, um, open and, uh, and fond of all of the, of the ideas as they came in. And at the same time, it was just incredibly warm and inviting and fun and funny. And I knew that we just all clicked personally so that it was going to be a good, um, and honest and, um, clear thinking clear talking sort of relationship with regard to making uh, uh, you know doing some storytelling so I was there was not any doubt in my mind about any of it uh, and and mark he's just completely tested in all ways storytelling for for, for so long uh, and, and 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 then he you know he's done it again not only with all of his successes through uh, succession this year but now with the with the menu, it's, it's, it's he's done a brilliant job, and it's been just incredibly fun just to to, to do the, the work with him.
2: As the first sort of reviews for for um, a film come out, and it's it's getting a little weird now because everything's so fragmented, and there's a lot of different pockets of people that love something or hate something or whatever. But do you know coming into a project like this, like, damn, this is this is this is good. This is going to have like this is because a lot of people also the job of a composer is to come in and make something better <laughs> mm-hmm. and um and so sometimes you come in with something that might feel raw and then you can really refine it but i'm wondering once you understand the script being um you know really polished to begin with um then are you do you have a sense of like this thing is you know someone can always screw it up, but this thing, this thing really has the potential to be a huge, you know, a a sensation of a movie, potentially.
1: I don't ever, I don't
2: tend to think about
1: things. (laughs) Okay. I don't tend to think the things in terms of the reaction by the public or, or from critics. I don't bother myself with any of that because I, I actually find that it is quite, um, not only a distraction, but it actually can just, um, it can be, it can poison your future, your present and future, uh, honesty in terms of what it is, how it is that you work, how it is that you relate to your own, your own, um, creativity and process. So I don't pay attention to any of it, um, on, on that level. So, uh, that, that said, when you, I, I'm first and foremost reading a script and reacting to it and, and, and. Trying to gauge my reaction: Am I in it? Am I somewhere else? Just kind of—is this boring? Am I? Has it kept me? In what way has it kept me? Has it kept me in a way that I've—that I've? That I've I, yeah, I, yeah I, this is gripping, and, and I'm here. But I've—I've I've seen that movie before. I've—I've I, I, seen that story played a bunch of times. Yes, it's going to be a good one, but it's going to be a good version of a thing that I've already seen. So there's there's levels, and so for something like this um, it's a, I've, I've not seen this story before. And, and it's told in a way that is so impeccable. Uh, the writing is so impeccable, you know, then on top of that, you have a director like Mark. Then on top of that, you have a cast like this. And so you you pretty much, no, you're not going to, you're not going to be as a composer, yes, sometimes you are brought in and you look at what your job is going to be. And the job is, oh, well, the script was never tight enough. So your job is going to be to kind of try to to pace this a little better. Yeah, go the fix edits it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little clunky. So you have to fix here, there and the other thing. The scares never really came through. So now get ready to fucking support jump scares. Um or, or, you know, or here's some limp performances. So every time that person's on the screen, you've (laughs) got (laughs) to, um, and so there, there, there are sometimes those things, um, this, you know, on its face has had none of those things. Um, this was not going to be a me trying to fix anything, uh, movie. This was going to be a me getting to do exactly what it is I love to do. And that's just play, um, and, and be there to, to try to, to hy- hype it where, you know, just, um, uh, what, extending the existing, uh, brush strokes, you know? And, and it was exactly that. Uh, it, it was very fun.
0: Um, we're, we're a little long, so I want to, I just have one more question for you. When you read a script, how quickly do ideas pop into your head? Are you thinking of music while you're reading? Do you sit down and take it in and, and think of stuff after? Does it take a couple days? Like what's that process for you?
1: Um, it's pretty immediate, you know. Like with the menu, I, I had. I mean, I'll go back to something like Colorado Space. I didn't even have that job yet, and I wrote the main theme. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember reading about that movie that it was being made, and I went, "What the?" <laughs> like really? And then I immediately just I got out of the bathtub, went downstairs, started fucking pl- around on the on the Fender roads It was like that's 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 the main theme for that movie now i just had to go get it um but uh (laughs) but the so for the menu i read the script and usually what happens is i'll read the script and then the next week or so every morning i'll wake up and i'll go to the piano and i'll spend that first hour to just coffee and initial ideas based on what the what i how it is i feel about the imagery that the 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 characters, the character overall of what the, what I feel like the film, the essence of it is like, and I'll just I'll improvise, find things that I like uh, the feel of, and then kind of exhaust them, run them down, and and see, and then kind of play variations, permutations, and and then record all of that to stream of consciousness, and so then I'll have these hours and hours of notes, and then. You know, I'll, I'll usually back off of it for a couple of weeks, come back, uh, go in, refine, and um, so it's it's pretty it's pretty immediate. A lot of it ends up like some of the, some of the stuff ends up being a lot of it ends up being on piano in the very get go. But there's also other other instrumentation where that script usually tells me what the overall instrumentation is going to be, like what does this thing kind of sound like, and and then, so th- that, that'll that be the foundation. And then there's always some wild cards that come out later on, but but more or less, I know what the what the sound is and what I'm going to have to use to get at the majority of it.
0: That's so fascinating because a lot of composers, some, some composers we talk to need to see picture. Some can read the script and feel that out. So it's always interesting how we're all human, but some people's brains need different types of, you know, Need need to be fed something mm. to to turn around and turn that into art. So it's fascinating. Absolutely. Um, well, agree. thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm really excited to see this movie. Uh, the trailer looks amazing. The cast is amazing. Yeah. And I've heard your score. And I try not to listen too much, though, because I don't want to spoil anything and <laughs> yeah. get used to the score. Um, <laughs> so I didn't dive in too hard. But Good. Um, it's it's a beautiful score. It's very classical and not a lot of electronics, from what I gather. There's none. Um there's none. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, so we're looking forward to it. Colin, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat great. with us. It's my man.
1: pleasure. Thank you. Thank you both.